0: Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled, multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Spirit, <laughs> pray fast if necessary so we can uh, have a cold. We used to have it so cold here, people complain. I wouldn't mind a little so cold, I would complain right now. But, you know, there was a flame on the door when you came in. So you got to expect the fire a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. If you got a Bible, you go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 15. I'll be there in a moment. Um, we, we have we have been experiencing a, a bit of a, a visitation here at Revival Life Church. The last several weeks, the, the glory of God has coming to the end of the service. Amen? It's good. People have had encounters with the living God and... Uh, if you have not yet, I would challenge you to press in. Just press in and say, Lord, I'm ready to get touched. I had um, the Lord had spoken to me and I put it in my notes that uh, we were going to do a, a time of spiritual warfare at the beginning of service. I did not know it would be at the end of worship. And so I am thankful to God that he did show up in a way that he says. And I believe that what you experienced in worship were to carry out throughout the week. Amen. I'll talk more about that a little bit later. But um, thank you, Mike. You're good. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. God of the breakthrough is in our midst, friends. Yeah. If you can find, just mute everything but me. And we'll figure out where that is. And I feel it in the spirit. <laughs> Give it up for our sound team, everybody. Yeah. The God of breakthrough is in our midst. And uh, I, I am I am particularly excited about what God is doing in this season among the people of Revival Life Church. I, uh, uh, I'm, I I'm I'm I, if I could just be honest with you, I've always been a bit of a skeptic. C- can I be honest? I've always been a bit of a skeptic. I've, I've always um, needed to see something to believe it. I, I've always uh, when I hear things from people, I'm like, well, I'll believe that when, when I see it. And I'm not one for hype. I'm I'm not one for um, just just say it and hope it happens. Uh, Just just if you just see it by faith, you know, meaning I drum it up and then I'll see it. I'm not one who hypes things that that aren't really happening, but I want to kind of trick you into it. I don't want people tricking me into it. I think in this generation, I think I think from uh, Gen Z, I think they have seen the epitome of marketing. I believe that they have. they, 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 Since they grew up digitally, they have been inundated with ads since the womb. And they're naturally skeptical of marketing. Uh, unfortunately, they're now naturally skeptical of everything. Uh, and I am uniquely qualified to speak to that because I too am a skeptic. Uh, when I was coming up and I was in healing ministry... There was a wave of healing ministry that said that you claim your healing until you're actually healed. And I would say, well, that's not if you're not healed, you're not healed. Saying I'm healed when you're not healed to me has always been a lie. I I just I just uh, if I'm healed, I'll know it. And, um, you know, let's say I had liver cancer and and, and the Lord heals me. It don't matter what words I say, cancer's not coming back. If you break your leg, you can't say words that will re-break your leg, right? Like we don't have we have power. Not that kind of power, right? The Lord has the power to heal it. And if I say the wrong thing, that doesn't mean all of a sudden it's going to get undone. So I'm I'm naturally a skeptic. However, I am also filled with faith in that I am looking for what God is doing. And when God does something sovereignly, I absolutely 100% believe it, even if I don't see it with my natural eyes. So when I know God has said something to me, when I know I've heard a testimony that their testimony bears witness with my spirit, that this is the spirit of God, I don't doubt it no matter what I see with my eyes. When the Lord speaks something to me, truth has been settled no matter what I see in the natural realm. When the Lord speaks to me and says he's going to do something, I stand on that thing until a higher voice tells me I got it wrong but I have stood on the word of the Lord for 20 years at some points in my life and said I will not be moved until God tells me that what I heard was wrong. So I'm naturally a skeptic to the natural realm, but I am given to faith wholeheartedly. It has been settled for me that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And that His words are life. And that He gave, came to give me life more abundant. That is settled in my heart. And the anointing that I'm seeing happening in our church right now, I hope you're getting in on it because I'm watching people get sovereign visitations. After last week, I got so many testimonies of words that God spoke to people sovereignly. Things that spoke right into their life. I have, uh, I have myself come into a new prophetic season where... Um, the prophetic people in my life are calling me and giving me words. And I have seen the heightened sense of prophetic activity in my ministry. And uh, I'm, I'm all for it. Are, are you with me? When the Spirit of God is moving in your life, everything good begins to get better. Everything good begins to get better. Unfortunately, at the same time, the enemy begins to work a little bit harder. Because if he can distract you on where your truth comes from, he can neuter the Word of God in your life. Let me go back to the healing thing. If the Lord says you're going to be healed, I promise you the enemy is going to speak right after that, That no, you won't. The Lord says you're going to be healed, the enemy will say you don't. Now, which voice you meditate on will to a great extent determine what happens in the next season. So you don't have to say I am healed, but you can fully say the Lord told me I will be healed. And stand on that word, amen. The Lord will deliver me from this season. He has spoken it to me. I may not know how, but I know who he is. And what we see so often is people don't fully understand the nature of God. And so since they don't understand the nature, the true character of Jesus, they don't know what to expect from him and they don't know how to read the Bible well. And so today we're going to do a little bit of Bible study just to read the Bible well in this season But the anointing of God is is moving and we have to know how to carry it. And we can only truly carry the anointing of God if we understand the God whose anointing we are carrying. We have a challenge. We have a challenge as as humans, as fallen humans, and, and more so as Western people, that we read ourselves into the text all the time. We don't recognize it, we don't know that we do this, we don't see that we do it, but we read the Bible through the lens of our experience, and therefore we read ourselves into the Bible. Hey, if anybody wants to get closer, my wife is serving in Revival Kids today, and the front row is lonely. And so if you would just come on up here and just sit there, I would, you would just please me to no end. I would have, I have lights in my eyes, and so I basically see lights in empty front row. This is so much better. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, ladies. You bless me. You bless me. See, we read ourselves into the text, and the problem is we rarely read ourselves into the text the way we're supposed to. And so today we're going we're to kind of... Can you turn me up just one touch? I feel like I'm yelling, and I'm going to lose my voice because Cessia had me yelling already. How many enjoyed that worship? <laughs> Cessia, I, I, um, I see... Uh, It's really, it's really kind of, it's really kind of odd. Um, um, see, see, Sassy, I've known Sassy a long time, right? So it's not like she's, uh, you know, an enigma to me. I, I, I know her fairly well. She, and she was in uh, ministry in college. She's been in ministry as long as I've known you. She's pretty well, a, I knew you in middle school. I don't, I don't know if you were in ministry in middle school, but uh, she's always been a, a, a minister. Stand with me if you would, just for a second here, because I see something. Um, Something got released today. Did you feel it? Were you feeling it? Something got released today. It wasn't just that it was, the worship was loud. Although I like loud worship. I like, I like loud. I like, I like energy. I like us happy. Um, but I, but I, believe, I believe the Lord has heard your yes. I believe the Lord has heard your yes. And, um, and I think um, he's, he's only giving you a brake pedal. The gas is full on. Amen. And so he's, 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 give, he's only giving you a brake pedal. And so really, you get to decide what happens here. Is, it, is this making sense or no? Yeah. And so I would really encourage you to be cautious about the brakes. Because you're going quickly to the right place. Um, I, I see in worship, I see, um, I see something landing on you. But, but it's not... Um, worship is the key to other things for you. It's the key to other things and your obedience and your in your yieldedness and worship opens other doors. Does that make sense? I just see it on you. It's just like just probably everybody else can, too. I just see it on you there. Jackson, stand for me, if you would. Thank you, Cecilia. Jackson, this is your um, I see I see um, um, I see a turnstile. You know what a turnstile is, but but it's it's more like, um, <clears throat> OK, I want to speak this word. Help me, Jesus. OK, so so, you know, we don't have them in the south, but in the north, you have these like doors, these turnstile doors into big buildings with like the glass things. And, and it's so like the cold air doesn't just flow into the building. Right. And so we don't have those as much. Yeah. Um, but I see you. Um, I see this thing spinning and I see you doing this kind of like double dutch, you know, when you try to, you know, like when I was young and I used to double dutch. Carl never double dutched in his life um, <clears throat> with, with my corn rows with the beads, right? Yeah. <clears throat> no, it did not happen. Um, but, I, but I see you like trying to get the rhythm of the thing. And, and I just feel like the Lord is like, I'm in this turnstile. If you move forward, I'll get you right in the slot I have you. Does that make sense? And so you're like, oh, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. And he's like, no, 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 you're mine. Just move forward. I've told you, just, just, just get in. And you're, I just, and I know, I know him, so I can try to guess what that means. But it's between you and God. Does that make sense? Amen, amen. We're gonna get in the Word of God, though. Um, yeah, it's good. Thank you, thank you. Duke approves. <laughs> More. We'll see what the Lord has as we move forward. I want to make sure I speak the word of the, 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 this here. Shabbat. I feel the pull. Just give me hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Duke is provoking me. Shabbat. Shabbat. Oh, Jesus. I've been conflicted, but I'm more conflicted than ever right now. Okay. Last week we, we had this, um, we, we talked, if you weren't here last week, listen to last week's message. It was, it, it's kind of important to where we're at this, this. Did anybody get anything? Out of the, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what's so really important about it was um, Jesus said in um, uh, Mark 6 that the disciples did not understand the miracle that they witnessed with the bread multiplied Therefore, they could not understand the other things that he was going to do in their lives and through them and so often. And I hope you listened to my exhortation at the end of service to Ask God to bring to memory a miracle he's done in your life and ask him, did you get the message out of the miracle you were supposed to have? This has happened for me this week. I'm glad I leaned into it. The Lord spoke to me and then after he spoke to me, he had a prophet call me. And after he had a prophet call me, he had a devotion open up to me. I mean, like just the Lord has been then my wife talked to me and then God talked to me again. It was a, been a very fruitful week. But in the midst of that fruitful week, there's been warfare over this activity in my life. Have you you noticed an increased kind of warfare? And you may not have recognized the warfare. You might have just thought, I'm feeling depressed. Or I am feeling a little anxious this week. Or things seem to be going wrong. Things were going great, but now all of a sudden they're going wrong. Nothing has changed other than the devil now hates you even more, right? Right? And, and, and this is a sign of warfare. This is where we get to a little bit of emotional, spiritual maturity, and we recognize that life didn't change that much in the last minute other than the enemy is now warring against the word in my life. And so Jesus said to the disciples, because your heart was hardened, you did not gain insight from the incident of the loaves. Now, there is a certain area of my life that the Lord likes to, um, excuse me, that the enemy likes to fight me, And it's based in childhood trauma. It's based in uh, how I was raised and and, uh, the circumstances I was raised. And so the enemy is constantly speaking in my ear about how I'm going to return to that, if I could just be honest with you. And God has constantly done miracles in that area of my life in a way that would cause me to, I have to decide, am I going to remember the lesson of the miracle or am I going to hold on to the trauma from my youth? This is the choice that I have to have. And so when we talk about forgiveness in the word of God, forgiveness is kind of a bad word in our culture. It kind of has it it, it doesn't fully encapsulate what Jesus is talking about when we talk about injustice and someone says you just need to forgive. You're like, how can I possibly forgive the trauma? I still carry it in my in my body. And, and Jesus isn't saying, you know, don't let your heart be affected by this thing. He's literally saying regain the power over the situation by not allowing what happened in your past to affect your future. He's like, you got to disconnect yourself from the trauma and the sin that that person did release it to me so you can move forward. And so God will do a work of forgiveness in your life. So you're able to do that with other people. You you sinned against God and he forgave you. Yes. Yet you still regret it, right? So it didn't just go away. There's still a work that has to be done internally. And so you could choose, I am no longer going to allow that thing to affect my future. For me, it's my childhood trauma. I'm not going to allow that to affect my future, but I can't forget about it. My body still carries the scars of it. My psyche still carries the scars. I'm believing God that I'll be fully healed. But I have to choose that when I got saved, I've got on a new path. And I need to stay on that path towards healing wholeness, prosperity, and overcoming, right? And so no matter who comes against me or who lies against me or who tries to block the Word of God in my life, still I am on the path that Jesus has laid out for me. For me, that is forgiveness. I'm no longer tied to the path of that sin against me. I'm tied to the path of the promise that Jesus laid out for me. And so I have to make choices. And unfortunately, you generally have to make these hard choices in your lowest moments. You have to make the most brave decisions in your lowest moments. It's not the mountaintop that God says, I'd like you to believe me for victory. It's not when you just got the promotion that God says, I'd like you to believe me for your finances. It's when you're like, how am I going to pay this? How am I going to get ahead? I'm sitting alone at night, one o'clock in the morning. My mind is racing. You might be sitting in bed, sweating, thinking, what is going to happen This is when God says, this is when I need you to be able to meditate on the word I've spoken. And the apostles, the the early disciples, they weren't weren't equipped to fight that warfare because they did not learn the lesson of the loaves. Now, as we look at the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, I thank you for those of you who bring your Bible or those who read your Bible either digitally or or in print format. I hope that you're reading your Bible uh, because I find it helps. Read your Bible, it helps. You know, it helps. It's, not the, it's not the handbook of life, it's not that simple. It's the words of God that get in your spirit so you can understand the ways of God. The goal of this book is to understand God better. He is our goal. The book is not our goal, He is our goal. But you need the book to understand the man because we misinterpret him so much. So we see in the Gospel of Matthew, Gospel of Matthew is split into basically three sections, right? We, we, we see um, the first part, it talks about Jesus being revealed as the Messiah and his um, messianic calling. This book was written by um, uh, Greek-speaking Jews, two uh, Greek-speaking Jews in Antioch mostly. That's mostly the audience for it. The first section, like the first ten chapters of Matthew, Focus on God's son, that Jesus God's son, the messianic call on his life. Um, in his, ser- his public ministry begins with the Sermon on the Mount. Um, the second section starts at about 11, chapter 11 through chapter 16. And this is when he, um, it shows how Israel is responding to the Messiah who's been revealed to them. And Israel does not respond to the Messiah in the way they've always promised to respond to the Messiah. And um, we see that because of the call that's on Jesus. Because of what Jesus calls the hardness of their hearts, they fail to comprehend his teachings. They fail to recognize his miracles. And that his miracles represent the fact that the kingdom of heaven is there. They're offended with his ministry and um, eventually they plot his death, which, of course, is the third section. Of the Gospel of Matthew, which is what's called his passion, his his trial, his suffering, his death, and ultimately his resurrection and him stomping out the devil and uh, us reigning with him forever, which is the good part. Uh, But this book is written to a group of people who believe and um, they they want to they want to keep the story of Jesus alive. They want to preserve who he is. And um, in the first half of chapter 15, which we're about to read, Jesus has problems with the with the religious people, with the people who claim to be the most zealous followers of God. God himself is walking the earth and those who claim to be the most godly are the least likely to receive him. I want to say this again, those who claim to be the most vocal followers can be the most least likely to follow him when he reveals himself in challenging ways. We're gonna get into that today. Bless you. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 6, he says, Jesus even says to these people, Oh, you're you're so excited that you know his, his, his word, but but because, because of what you think the word means, that your traditions, he says. The word that you came, claim to love has no power in your life. Has no power in your life. Are these mics all muted? Can you check? I just want—I feel like it's echoey. Oh, I could be wrong. And so he's saying there's, there, there, there's there is no power. Now, imagine the word of God telling you that the word of God has no power in your life because of how you view the word of God. That's a challenge you want to hear. But because of the hardness of their hearts, they didn't hear it. And so... Earlier in chapter 15, I'm setting this up because it's important for where we're going. Earlier in chapter 15, Jesus was with um, some of the Pharisees and and the teachers of the law. And um, they say to him, hey, you you claim to be a rabbi. You claim to be a great great leader in, in our tradition. But here you are eating with disciples who don't wash their hands the way they say you're supposed to wash your hands. You see, there was the law. And then there was how they interpreted the law. We have to understand this. When we read the Bible, we have to understand. We have this kind of like a folklore in our head that Israel were these people who all practiced Judaism perfectly and that Jesus came along and was mad because a couple of them weren't recognizing him. Judaism was very separated. There There were many groups who considered themselves to be the real Jews, and didn't consider other people to be Jews, even though they were just as Jewish as they were. Anybody just sound like anything that you've heard of before? Like the church in America, right? There's a group of people like, oh, we're doing it the right way, but not them. They're not doing it the right way. And so there's always this little power dynamic. Over, I, 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 was, I was at a social function recently, and there, were, there was a guy who um, was looking to start going to church, and there were two people from two different churches, and they were kind of debating on what church he should go to. They were, like, they were fighting with each other, I'm like, this is just the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in the world. This guy wants to get his life right, and you two are trying to fight over who's going to have more power in his life. Like, talk about missing the plot. Like, I don't care what church you go to, go to church, right? If you're not saved, I don't care. Pick one if it's got a cross on top, go there. If they open the Bible, keep going there. If they don't, find another one. Where they open the Bible and they teach the Bible. You learn the word of God. You get touched by the power of God. And it's just, just like this is... The, but but there's, this, there's this power dynamic. There's this fight over who's going who's gonna to win. And this is what was happening in Jesus' day. And so Jesus, Jesus um, is with them. And they're like, oh, you think you're a great rabbi, but disciples. your disciples aren't washing the way that we taught people to wash. Because they read the Bible a certain way. And in their minds, they decided what the Bible means. And now they said, it's not so important that you know the Bible. You have to know what we think the Bible says. And so they came up with a special way of washing your hands to be godly. And Jesus was like, I don't know if you know this, but your, your commentary doesn't apply to me. What, what, what you think the Bible means does not apply to me. Like I am not in your school. You all should be in my school. The word of God is alive right here in front of you. It would benefit you to listen to what I'm saying. But because of this, they started putting him down. So here's Jesus. And these are the powerful people. These aren't we. we this isn't like. It's not like America where you can just like you know you're you're part of a a World of Warcraft and the and the people on there are are being rude to you so you just go to a different game and you start over again it it doesn't work that way you're in villages you're in small towns these religious leaders are running things people who aren't doing things right get killed you don't get jobs you get castigated not only are they the religious leaders some of the religious leaders are the civil leaders they literally can run your life. It's far more like maybe how China is run today or, or Russia is run where certain people have absolute control over your life. And Jesus is there winning people over with the love of God. He is discipling people that nobody else would disciple. And now the powerful people are like, you think that you're supposed to be powerful, but your disciples aren't even worthy to be disciples. And I see the disciples there like, man, what? like i'm just i 'm just trying to do what I think to be right like i, I, I you 've told us about the Messiah our whole life, and i 'm pretty sure this is the guy, and yet you 're telling us that we 're bad for following him. You see the tension the disciples are in here you 're saying that we 're worthless, but we we 're following our rabbi and man we 've seen him do miracles and we 've seen the love and we 've seen him pray we 've seen his life, his intimacy he has with God that we 've only read about in the scriptures and Gosh, and you're calling us like second class citizens. We're not even worthy to be teachers. And, 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 and so Jesus is like, well, you know, uh, you, I, 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 I don't know what to tell you guys. You, you guys are you guys are missing it because of your tradition, because you think you got this whole thing figured out. The word of God has no power in your life. And so they leave. And, and, and the problem, the problem wasn't that they didn't believe in God. That wasn't the problem with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Essens and the the Zealots and all the other factions of the day. The problem wasn't that they didn't believe in God. The problem was that they believed in themselves more than they believed in God. They believed in their ability to do it right more than they believed in God's ability to correct them. They didn't even realize that they had created a new God in their own image. We need to be dependent on God. We need, as a part of our life, we, we need, we need God to be able to, all right, I'm going to say this, and this isn't great preaching, but I just need you to, I'm just, we're just going to talk today because the Holy Spirit keeps messing with me. Um, if every time you have a problem and you hear God and God gives you a rebuke and that the problem is your, your fault, you might be hearing yourself more than God. I found God to be far more encouraging than condemning. When I first met Jesus, he was really sarcastic. And then I realized I was the sarcastic one. He was talking to me in my language. And since I've upgraded my language, he speaks to me a whole lot nicer. And he's far more encouraging, far less condemning. And so if you track what Jesus says to you, what the Holy Spirit says to you, And you get somebody that you can begin to say, hey, help me hear God with me here. Hear God with me. The the people I've seen fall the farthest, and uh, Brent has seen this. I know Duke has. People who've been here a little bit, and you've watched people who are on top of the mountain fall into the valley. There's always a pattern, and the pattern is I know better than other people they isolate themselves with their own thoughts. They elevate their own revelation above anyone around them. And eventually they wind up somewhere like so far from God. Yeah. They just find it so far from God. And, uh, and, and we, we just want to hear God with other people so people could say, hey, you know, I just, are you sure God said that part? Because let me give you 12 scriptures that say the opposite. Right? Actually, God is for you, not against you. Right? He's not, he's not judged you. But this is... This is, this is what the enemy wants us to believe. And so Jesus leaves these people who are putting down to the disciples, and he leaves the Tyre and Sidon. So he leaves the Jewish areas, right? He goes in, into Galilee. And here in Matthew chapter 15, here's where we pick it up. That was the introduction right there. <laughs> Fortunately, the body is very, very short. Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse 22. And I want you, as we read this, I want you to think, I may have been reading this wrong my whole life. Matthew chapter 15, verse 22, it says, A Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me. Hold on, let me pick it up here in my Bible. Here, I want to read out of the Bible. Bible. Then Jesus, Jesus went away from there, and went to the region, to the, withdrew to the, into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from the region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, because she keeps shouting at us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, oh, woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. Now, I have heard lots of interpretations of this scripture, and they're all carnal. It's us trying to inject ourselves into the story to figure it out. I've heard some crazy interpretations like Jesus... Jesus didn't realize he was a racist until then and and in this interaction with this Canaanite woman, he recognized his own bias and changed. And I'm like, have you met Jesus? I don't I don't think that's the moral of this story. I don't I don't think that's it. And then people try to twist what it means to be a dog. And they're like, dog doesn't mean dog. No, dog is dog. This is all very, very clear the parts of the story. But let me show you something interesting. I, I have um, been dabbling in artificial, I don't know what it's called, but uh, AI generated graphics. Right? This is something I like to do. It's, I don't do it well, I'm not particularly good at it, and it's very frustrating. It might be easier just to learn to draw. But I put the, the first three sentences of this conversation in an AI generative engine with some prompts on the style I would like. Put it up if you would, please, Josh. This is the first graphic that came out. And this is, this is, this is, all right, there's Jesus and we see the disciples. Anything missing from this picture that you noticed? The woman. And I want you to, like, this is Prophetic. We leave the women out of our interpretation of Scripture all the time. We, we don't recognize that we don't have female voices in the room helping us to interpret this. If, if you have some sort of idea that this story is Jesus putting this woman down, I promise you that was not a female theologian who came up with that interpretation. The woman is left out of the interpretation. That's like when we, when we read the Scripture... This whole scripture is about a, a, a broken woman begging Jesus for healing. Again, the problem is with people who try to teach the scriptures without a spirit of wisdom and revelation, they come up with answers that make sense in this generation to their minds. So, God brought Israel out of bondage. This is the story of Israel. What is the story of Israel? Thank you, Josh. What is the story of Israel? God took nobodies like this woman who did not deserve to be honored and he just said, I will take a people out of these people and I will put my name on them and through them all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Now, unfortunately, in the nation of Israel were people and people tend to see themselves as the center of the God story, as opposed to what God was trying to accomplish but this was always the call. The people of Israel were praying for the Messiah to come and deliver God's people into God's plan. And, and they, they say this um, that they, they we know that God had called Abraham and said that through him, all the nations would be blessed. And so 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 unfortunately, we get a little bit of God in our lives and we start putting ourselves at the center. Now, all of a sudden, all our relationships are about us being blessed. Every place that we go is about how it's going to benefit us, about how God is taking me to a new level, how God is going to do a new thing in my life. But he takes his disciples to someone as a prophetic sign of what's happening in Israel. Israel was supposed to be someone who was humble and serve the world, but instead thought it was supposed to be served. And so we see in this woman a prophetic symbol of Israel. We see see God the Son, Jesus Christ, walking the earth. He takes his disciples to a woman that they considered to be a dog. I believe in this whole story, we read it wrong because we put the wrong person at the center. They wanted Jesus to get rid of her. Let's look at the scriptures here real quick. It says in Matthew chapter 15, verse... 24, excuse me, 2023, 20, it says, put, put up if you would, please, uh, Josh, uh, Matthew 15, 23, it says he did not what? So he's not talking to her after this. I mean, that's what the Bible says, right? He did not answer her a word. She cried out, Jesus, son of God. Have mercy, my daughter is demon-possessed. And he did not answer her. But then Jesus, but watch this, watch this, watch this. He did not answer her word, and his disciples came, saying, send her away because she keeps shouting at us. These oppressed people, they're a problem. We're too good for these oppressed people. We're too good for these people. They don't deserve to come to you. He did not answer her, and so Jesus says to them, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And they're like, yeah, that's right. It's not for her. It's for us. Now, I want you to see this. Jesus speaks to us. And often the first thing revealed is what's in our heart, not in God's heart. This is why I said when you constantly hear Jesus rebuking you, it might be what's in your heart from your childhood, not necessarily what God is doing in your life in this season. We need to be able to recognize how we're speaking ourselves into the story. See, the woman is crying out, help my daughter. She's demon possessed. And the woman represents Israel in the midst of Rome. Rome is oppressing Israel, unable to come into Israel's true call to be a blessing to the world because she is oppressed. Now, will the disciples become another Roman power? Or would they move in the compassion that they were always supposed to move in? Here is the conflict. Now, Jesus, you have to remember, when Jesus is dealing with his disciples, he's preparing them to rule when he leaves. He's discipling them to rule when he leaves, and so he has to teach them some key lessons that they can extrapolate into every other system that they're a part of and the other circumstances they don't even know yet. So they just came from a region where the religious leader said, these, uh, these disciples, they're not, good enough to be, they're not good enough to be real disciples. They're not good enough to be really part of our club and they go somewhere else. And what do the apostles do? Immediately, they become the Romans. Immediately, they get just a a little bit of power. Keep her away. She's bothering us. She's bothering us. And she's like, do you understand why I'm here? It's like owning a car repair shop and saying, all these broken cars are messing up our business. Like, no, no, you're here for broken cars. Like, that's literally what you're here for. It's like being at a restaurant and being like, ah, I want to polish the silverware, but these these customers keep coming in. Like, the silverware is for the customers. Without customers, we don't need the silverware. And these disciples are like, ah, keep her away. And Jesus is like, you think I'm here for you? Do you really think that you're the center of my plan here on earth? Are you getting this? So she represents Israel. God always wanted Israel to be a blessing to all the nations. But it just became about empire building. Now Jesus was leaving his disciples soon. He needed them to be moved with compassion. He said, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him saying, Lord, help me. Now, can you imagine? Those of you who are parents, how desperate you would be if you found someone who could help your child. I mean, you can, you can imagine what's going on inside of her. My daughter is demon-possessed. Now, I know some of your parents may have told you that when you were young, but this is, this is real. This is, this, is, this is real, right? Like, you demonize. Like, no, this is real, though. She was really demon-possessed. And, 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 and here is the solution. Now, this, this demon-possession could have been, it could have been epilepsy. It, who knows what it could have been, how it would have manifested. But here is the solution. And you will call every insurance company in the world. You will call every doctor. You'll do a GoFundMe. You'll do whatever it takes to get your child what they need. So here is a woman literally on her knees begging Jesus, please heal my child. Put up the next graphic if you would, please, Josh. This is what I had to, I had to make the AI make this picture. This made a little bit more sense, but I just see her begging Jesus. And I see this woman... Desperate for her child. Now, which of you, if you had the ability to heal this woman's child, would you be like, ah, she's being a little loud. I'll let her, I'll let her child say demon possessed. I was going to heal your daughter, but mm, you're kind of annoying me now. So run along, run along. Like, and I want to be like, have you met Jesus? People who really believe that, have you met Jesus? And so, Jesus, you know, she's begging. And the disciples are like, let her along. And and I just, I just I feel the tension of this conversation. Can you imagine the one who said, Jesus, make her go away, and then she's begging. I see, here's here's how I see when I look at this picture. I don't see Jesus looking at the woman. Take it down if you would, Josh. That's not how I see it. I see Jesus the whole time. The woman is begging him, and he's looking at the apostles. Oh, you want to be Rome, huh? You want to be Rome? All right. She's begging, please heal my child. Oh well, you know, I didn't come for her, right? Came for you? Who cares about her, right? I can see Jesus just, you know how Jesus will just take his time on things? You know how Jesus will take his time on some things, right? May not come when you want him. Be there right on time, right? He's an on time. So I could just see him just sitting there. She's screaming, please heal my daughter. And at some point they had to be like, Wow, if he just healed her, she'd, uh, you know, this whole, we wouldn't, we wouldn't look bad. And all of a sudden, you know, this might just be a little lesson we learn later. But he just leaves it there. And then he's like, and he says to them, what I believe was in the disciples' hearts. He says to them in verse 26, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs, right? Right, John? Right? Right? I mean, I, I, I healed your mother, right, Peter? But uh, Your mother-in-law, but, you know, she don't deserve it, right? Matthew, you, you know, everybody hated you, but I went ahead and made you a disciple, but she don't deserve it, right? And I just see her just, I see them just sitting there, twisting, like, oh my gosh, Jesus is, is, is exposing the colonialism in their own hearts, like, we will get some power and we will rule over people soon, and Jesus is like, man, you are missing the point of this story. He says, she says, he's yelling at the disciples. She's yelling at him. Yes, Lord. She's the only one who calls him Lord in the story. These guys think they're in control, but she's the only one calling them Lord. Yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Now, how do you as a disciple turn her away after that? Then Jesus says to her, Then. Now he's talking to her again. See the turn? Then Jesus says to her, O oh woman, your faith is great. Where the disciples was not. O oh woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. In the uh, next slide, if you would, here's how I believe the next picture went. Something like that. Here's what I... <laughs> I, just was, I just think she was pretty excited... I just and Jesus excited. There's people in the back, you know, just like no, no, no. This is what I meant all along. It's I knew this was gonna happen. Yeah, this was, this was. This, I knew that this was just a setup for Jesus. We're his disciples. We set the scene, and he comes out as the hero. That's 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 how it ends right there. Thank you, Josh. That's that's. See the 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 false teachers. They 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 say to you like. Like God might treat you like garbage before you get your breakthrough, friend. That's a lie. that is a lie. That's a lie. Oh Jesus, I just feel this pulling of Holy Spirit right now, and I'm trying to keep teaching. Um, Jesus is saying, you know, like what what do you think? How many how many people do you think deserve God's blessing? Like like, do you think people got to earn it? You think you think like there's only a group of us who deserve it? Do you think God may even bless people who don't serve Him? Is He that good? He probably is. And, and I have found that when people encounter the goodness of God, then they begin to call him God. And instead, we got this backwards. And some of you grew up in a religious tradition where, where you earn it by being good. And if you're not good, then all of a sudden God treats you bad. And in, 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 um, those who had the misfortune of growing up with Jehovah Witnesses, they have this really bad teaching that um, if you're a believer and your child is an unbeliever, you can have a, a great relationship with them. But once they get water baptized, if they ever turn away from and decide not to become a Jehovah Witness, you have to cut them off. You have to shun them. You have to absolutely put them out. Of your, you destroy your child's life by shunning them. And so it's worse to be baptized than it is to be an unbeliever. And some of us have that same mentality that, you know, now that I've met God, He's going to punish me if I'm not doing the right thing. This, this is colonialism. You, you, we, don't, we don't know how we're thinking. We have, to, we have to read the Bible better. We have to see the scriptures through the lens of God. This is what Jesus says about or what, what Peter said about us in 1 Peter chapter 9. He says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He has called us to walk in light. Now, he took the promise over Israel and put it on the new believers. He's like, listen, this is who you are through Christ Jesus. Alright, Jesus. Marty, stand up if you would, please. I just want to get this out of the way. because I'm really trying to preach here. <clears throat> so, so Madi, um, I'm going to try to talk in code. Alright? So, um, you you you, you um, <clears throat> Shaba. Um, okay, so, so I see you. This is this is not literal. This is metaphorical. I see you as a child, and um, your family handed you a bouquet, and the bouquet was beautiful, but it was filled with roses, and so you would grab it. What appeared to be beautiful to them, but it kept. You kept getting poked by the thorns in the roses, and unfortunately, um, they never taught you that the roses weren't the 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 thorns, the thorny part. They thought that the the rose comes with the thorns, and the thorns were part of the gift that they gave you. And uh, I believe God wants you. Like I just, I literally see you shaking off the added stuff to the beauty that you were taught. Um, And I see you um, being healed by the Lord to walk in just the beauty, to rightly discern what was the beauty and what was them. Right? And so we all see God through our own lens. And unfortunately, we paint the picture of God to our kids through our lens. Unfortunately. Because if your children are under 10, you are God. Right? You are God's representative to them. You are telling them what the ethos of the kingdom is. This is how we treat people. If you don't behave well, we shun you. If you don't behave well, it's going to be painful. If you behave well, you get more stuff. And so we, we teach them um, uh, that they will be cut off if they don't behave well. They will be embraced. And so we teach them. Then we say, oh, but God is, God is just loving all the time. Like, really? That's not what I've been taught my whole life. I've been taught if I'm not good, I'm not loved. And if I am good, and if I, but I'm supposed to take the thorns with it. Uh, Many of you were taught, no, keep saying, and many of you were taught, (laughs) this is all for you, many many of you were taught in this passage, ladies, you were taught that um, you may have to be called a dog, like this is just part of the, the Bible for you, and that's not God. It's not Jesus. He's not calling you a dog. You're not, you're not lower than. You're not less than. That's, that's not who you are. But that's our culture that doesn't know how to read the Bible, that does not know Jesus. I've never been in prayer for someone and Jesus says, yeah, they probably deserve it. Eh. Jesus, like, will you rest this person? I'm like, eh, look at their race. Oh, but that's a woman. I'm like, really, Carl? Let's pray for a man instead. I've never heard Jesus say that. Right. And so for you, Madi, you don't recognize that the, 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 the robe that has been placed on you has got thorns in it. And so sometimes you take off the robe. Because it has been uncomfortable and there is a robe your parents have passed down to you that you are called to walk in. You have to figure out what this mantle that has been passed down to you is God. And what was. Culture, we'll say. And then you have to learn, because your, your real joy is going to be found in that mantle in a way that you just absolutely never, never could have imagined. But this is going to take um, some grace towards your, your, yourself, some grace towards your upbringing, and it's going to take some grace toward God um, who um, you had to go through this so that won't be perpetuated in the next line. Does that make any sense at all? If it doesn't, hopefully the Lord will give it to you. Amen, amen, amen. You're welcome. Yeah, no, that's good work. So, Brianna, let me just pray over you, and then I'm going to get back into the Word here. Brianna just graduated college, and I'm so proud of her. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so. i so... This is, this is... Um, I hear the Lord say, stay on your grind. Stay on your grind. That's it. That's the whole word. That's what I hear. I see you. I see you digging. Um, <clears throat> it feels like you're digging a ditch, but the ditch is like. It's a conduit for God's grace. It, it will be. It will be a, a riverbed. It will be. It will be a passageway, for years to come in your life. But I hear him saying, "Stay on your grind." I, I wanted to have a great word for you. I really did. That was good, though. I received that. I received that in my life. So let me let me try to bring this in for a landing. Is this making any sense? Is this making any sense? If we're going to be Christians, if we're going to carry this anointing that we get at the altar, that we get in worship, that we get here as we study the word, we have to know what our high priest is doing. We, we, we can't just we can't just hear a little like, I, I, I got saved in a, a church with a great preacher, and I would be so excited during the message, and it was so encouraging, and, and, and I would leave there, and, and someone would say, well, what do you preach about today? And I'd be like, I, I don't know, but I was encouraged, right? Like, we, we need more than cotton candy Christianity, right? We need more than a sugar rush. I need more than just a, a dance or a shout. I, I need to be formed so that I know what the high priest is doing. If we are priests in God's kingdom, if we're all called to be a kingdom of prophets, a kingdom of priests, then we need to know what our high priest is doing. We need to know the word that our high prophet is speaking so that we can be the voice in this generation for a disaffected, disaffiliated generation that's coming up behind us. They have completely written off uh, Gen Z, like they just—if no matter what you read, Gen Z is a lost cause, right? That's what they want to tell us. But that—that's—that's that's not what I believe. That's not what I believe at all. I believe God is doing something new in Gen Z. I believe the kingdom is going to be expressed through Gen Z in ways that we have never seen before. I believe they're going to come up with new ways, new ways. Come on, brother, turn off the phone for me. Come on. Yeah, he's going to come up with new ways to talk through them. He's going to come up with new ways to minister, new ways of hearing God. There there, there are so many in Gen Z who who hear what the Spirit is saying about inequality in our society. But the problem is they're checking out instead of partnering with the Holy Ghost to correct the inequalities. Instead of saying, man, this is what Jesus came for. Jesus came so that people could have houses, people could have food, people could have some health care. Like Jesus, Jesus came healing people. That has to matter to us, right? Jesus wants people healthy. And instead of like saying, man, this is God's heart all along, they're just checking out. And we need to be able to reach them with the real gospel of Jesus Christ and say, your heart in this generation, your heart for those who are disaffected, those who are disaffiliated, Jesus is with you in here. and Jesus has a place of belonging. Jesus has a place of flourishing. Jesus has a place of giftedness where you can really not just protest some of the inequalities, you can actually fix it by the power of Holy Spirit. You can be the one who teaches people like, no, God is actually for these folks right here. God wants to heal their brokenness. God wants to reach them in their low place. God wants to bring them up out of their pit. God wants to break generational curses in the name of Jesus. God wants to set people on a safe place in the name of Jesus. This is God's heart. I had a meeting recently with... Um, with two businessmen. We had a lunch, and uh, one was a Christian, one was not a Christian, one was a lawyer, and one was a, a real estate agent. Uh, one was a very successful real estate agent, and a, I don't know, a pretty successful lawyer. And uh, and, and the real estate agent was, you know, the lawyer asked the real estate agent, since uh, the lawyer is from New York, he says to the real estate agent, he said, what's, what's the market like? You know, I heard the market's been a little slow, interest rates, and the real estate agent said, well, you know, what I found out is there's always people in transition. There's always going to be people who retire and need to sell their house. People who have kids need a new house. People who got to raise and need a new house. People who are retiring need to get a smaller house. There's always people in transition. There's, people are always getting married and need a house. People are always getting divorced and need to sell a house. And he said, I've recognized that. And uh, for some reason, God puts me in these people's lives of transition and I'm a real estate agent but it's really my ministry cuz God puts me in contact with people in transition and I get to invite them to church. I get to let them see that in the midst of your transition God is still working. And the lawyer just looked at me, looked at us like, "What what is what 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 is what? like no no no, see we have a higher purpose that's going on in our life here." Yes, I want it, like and he's a very successful real estate agent. But there's a purpose behind his position. That's higher than just making money. There's there's a ministry in the midst of that. And he's like, oh, I just just try to be aware of what God is doing. And God just puts me in places where I'm needed. I'm like, praise God. Somebody knows what his high priest is doing. Somebody understands. You see, the enemy wants you to be so focused on your own finances that you miss every ministry opportunity in front of you. But God keeps talking to you about his provision for a reason. Let me get the band to come up, or I'll just keep talking all day. See, God is constantly asking us questions so we know what's in our heart. He's asking the disciples, Who is worthy to eat of this bread of the kingdom? He multiplied it earlier. He multiplies it again later to show even this Gentile is worthy. Even this Gentile is worthy of the bread. Isaiah 42, let me speak this over you. Verse 3. It says, a bruised reed he will not break and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. Gosh, I hate to bring this up, but a lot of talk about justice in, the, in our world today. Don't look at it through the lens of politics. Look at it through the lens of the Bible. What does Jesus say about justice? And what does justice look like according to Jesus? And I would say it starts with us and how we view people. Has less to do with what our government is doing. Has more to do with what is going on in our hearts. Hear me. God is not going to anoint our government to do anything. He's anointing people to love people. He's anointing people to heal people. Verse 4, He will not be disheartened or crushed until He has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands will wait expectantly for His law. So I said at the beginning, when we read the Bible, we read ourselves into the stories. And so when you read the story of the, the woman with a demonized daughter, and then there's Jesus and his disciples trying to keep him away. Where do you see yourself in that story? Most of us see ourselves maybe as Jesus. We're called to be the healer. We're called to be setting people free. People are trying to hold us back, but we're just going gonna to rise to the top regardless. We're going to be the star healer regardless. If some of us are honest, we might see ourselves as disciples. We get Jesus wrong sometimes, but in the end, You know, maybe you see yourself as the mom, like begging Jesus to come heal our broken nation. Come heal my broken family. Let me tell you, we're the demonized daughter. Jesus is the one interceding for us to be delivered. Jesus is the one who, without him, without a mother, Jesus said, as a hen broods over her nest, have I interceded for you? Have I cried out for you? There is someone crying out for your deliverance, for your breakthrough, for your healing. It is the Son of God whom without, without that mother's begging, that girl would never be delivered. Surely deliverance was coming. As soon as Jesus showed up on the scene, This girl's deliverance was already decided. Amen? There's not a chance that Jesus wasn't going to heal this girl. But it took the intercession of someone for that to happen. Your call is to be that mother. But first you have to recognize that you are that daughter who needed someone to be compassionate enough to stop and cry out for you. You needed someone to bring you the gospel. You needed someone to preach you the gospel. You needed a worship team to come and open the heavens above you so you could hear the Lord and His heart towards you. You needed somebody to mediate the grace of God in your life before you could get it. And if you don't recognize that you were that demonized girl, you will never be able to stand in the place of the mom crying out for deliverance. Let alone will you be able to be the healer who brings the word of healing in the season of oppression. Stand with me if you would. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah hallelujah. Listen, in this day and age,